And sometimes when we're angry at the church, we're not really angry at the church, we're angry at God. We're using the church as our excuse, or that's our, that's the, that's, we can see them. But it's really God that is, we're just ticked at him. (laughs) Or just like, you know, God, if you would have done this or that, this wouldn't be happening. Or if you would have prevented this from happening, then, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so we get angry at God. And although God doesn't ever do anything wrong, he does wound us sometimes. This is the Single Mom Cast. I'm Mel Hyatt. And I'm Pam Kennedy. And today we have a really heavy topic. It's I've been hurt by the church. What do I do now? And Pam and I have wanted to talk about this for Mm -hmm. a long time. And we found two incredible people to join us because this is just a lot. It's so prevalent. It's so, so necessary for us to talk about. And I think... Here at Arise, we get asked this question a lot from our single moms. We do. And sometimes we know how to answer it, and sometimes we don't. And we've always thought, I wish we had a podcast to follow up with that conversation. Mm -hmm. And now we do, thanks to Bruce and Tony. Thank you both for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Excited to be with you. We um, have done a podcast with you called Forgiving Forward, and that's the ministry that you lead, and you have a book over that. So I also want to remind our moms to go listen to that podcast as well, because it was absolutely incredible. And that podcast plays a part in the answer, I'm assuming, to this question, what do I do now? Forgiveness has to be a part of that if you've been hurt by the church. So let's start. Um, I want to ask you both, is there anything that you want our listeners to know about you today before we get started? Well, we can join you if you've been hurt by the church. So have we. (laughs) Been there, done that. Yes. We've been hurt severely by the church and that's why we're doing what we're doing. That Mm -hmm. is what propelled us into this ministry of forgiveness because Without it, we probably wouldn't be here today. So um, we have a lot to say about that. Yeah, and I was raised in the church. My dad was a pastor. I was, you know, I was nine when I knew I was going into ministry, uh, and I watched my dad um, as, as I was trying to learn from him. And, and let's just face it, sheep bite, uh, and they bite you in places you don't want to be bit, and they bite each other. And so uh, there are there. The problem with the church is they're full of people. <laughs> right and people are are flawed uh the flesh often dominates people uh we would want, like to say that everyone in the church is walking in the spirit but they aren't all the time i don't walk in the spirit all the time i'm learning to walk more and more now than i used to because that's the progression of the spiritual life but but i've had my flesh moments and we all have flesh yeah <laughs> it's a surprise to my wife but uh we the church is full of stick them and they bleed kind of people and we hurt each other a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately. Um, But the problem is the church is plan A and there is no plan B. (laughs) That's, Mm -hmm. that is God's plan. That's God's methodology. That's God's institution in a sense to, to take the gospel to the world. So we can't reject the church as his bride, but we do have to deal with the wounds that we've incurred from them. Yeah. I love that you brought up that sheep bite. My friend Lisette always says we're trained to watch out for wolves, so it hurts the most when the sheep bite you. Yeah. And 
you know, so I'm just wondering, how do we even deal with the wounds that come from the church? Because I think there's so many layers to it. For me, it's, you know, it's this place that it shouldn't be this way, but it is. And so how do we even deal with wounds that were given to us by a place that was really created for healing? Yeah, it's a great question uh, and, and, and great framing of the question because uh, I think, I'm trying to remember uh, who wrote it, the book was written several years ago, The, the Safest Place on Earth, Larry Crabb. Uh, and the church is supposed to be a place where I come in and I, I say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, I've had it. But it oftentimes is a place where I get beaten <laughs> and, and I get a hole put in my boat and so I'm sinking because of it. Uh, and I think the enemy is a part of that, to be honest, just be just the enemy knows that if he can cite us against each other, that's a deeper wound. Uh, David said, if it, if it had been an outsider, I could have dealt with it, but it was my friend, the guy that I walked through the yes. sanctuary with, mm-hmm. he's the one who betrayed me. Yeah. So it's, it's a deeper, deeper wound when we get it from, I mean, a, a mom can, can wound a daughter much stronger than a best friend can. I mean, even though both of them can hurt, I mean, it's the ones we expect to take care of us when they betray us or they wound us or they they don't meet an expectation that we have of them that cause us such a deep wound. But bottom line, and we'll, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll deal with this, this we'll unpack yeah. this a lot later on, the same protocols for an, an, any wound applies to the protocol for the church, that we have the blood of Jesus paid for. And I do want to throw one more thing in before you jump in. We've been wounded, our deep, deep wounds, what led us into this ministry, our church wounds. Uh, we, when, when, when Tony called uh, Asheville, you know, the Focus on the Family pastoral hotline and told them our story, they, their response was, it's the worst story we've ever heard. Why are you still doing what you do? Uh, and it was because of our call and because of our faith that we couldn't give it up. And God gave us the, the ability, the wisdom from his spirit to understand what the protocols are, to know how to forgive. And once we forgave, our freedom came. Right. So wow. it just kind of give you a little bit of background. We we have been in multiple church, church situations where we have been betrayed. I mean, we're talking kind of like the Judas betrayal. I mean, it was pretty severe, um, really severe. We have a child, one of our children was molested by a church member and her father was the pastor, and he. We were I was the, the pastor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are her father. I was. It was our daughter. Yeah, and, I was the pastor. And we had to go through um, the court system and all that business and deal with that. So we've been through that. We've we have been physically accosted in the church. Um, we have. There's just been a ton of stuff. So we get it. And if it wasn't for forgiveness, like I said earlier we wouldn't be doing what we're doing or be where we are. Um, I guess the thing I would want to say about, you know, how do we deal with wounds from the church is to recognize that you're going to have them. You know, if you believe that the church is a place where you'll never be wounded, then that's going to hurt you because there's an expectation you'll put there that this won't happen or that won't happen. Or, But wounds come from people and people, especially when you're close to those in the church, you're going to be wounded. Um, wounded people wound people. Mm-hmm. And the church is full of wounded people. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there's just a lot of other things that happen in the church. I think of the shame that sometimes we're given. We you know we're, we're not, there was just, there's not an acceptance. There's a shame of put down. Um, there's a list of rules that are unwritten that if you don't line up on those, then you're not accepted. Legalism. There's a lot of legalism wounding. can really be wounding. Yeah. And um, 
So maybe we'll talk about some of that, but wounds have to be forgiven. That's what we forgive wounds. So sometimes we, we forgive the people in the church and sometimes we forgive the church at, as a whole. And I think it's interesting too, um, unless you want to go another direction, Pam. Well, I just want to take just a second before we move on. I'm thinking about our single moms. I always like to plug into them uh, just after a question when, I, when it just comes to my mind. But let's, let's just take a minute here and acknowledge some difficulties our single moms have experienced with the church. And I can just think of one I did when I was a brand new single mom and my husband and I went to that church. And so he was no longer going to that church. So I was going to the church by myself with my kids and people would look at me and go the other direction. I noticed it, and it was very hurtful. It was very, very hurtful. You know, I, I remember that. And, you know, I remember one mom uh, coming to me and saying, well, you know, I was saying, well, find a church. They will Hopefully they will welcome you. And she walked in, and she said, I, I'm a single mom, and I'm looking for a class. And this guy turns to somebody else in the church and says, she's from a broken home. Do we have a class uh-huh. for them? And she called me. And I said, you know, how can your house be broken if Jesus is the head of your household? Your home is not broken. So they don't. So many, you know, hurt comes from people in the church that don't don't understand uh, where a single mom's coming from. Do you have any examples, Mel? Well, I was thinking, too, which that is... I mean, do you want to give me his number or yeah. tell me where? I'll go. <laughs> I love let's, that you brought it. forgive before you call. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll let, maybe, no, but, I'm going to yeah, It was not good yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, I just, I'm going to tell Bruce to go meet him. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say, okay. I, used, I remember I used to feel so unnerved when people would say something about a broken home when they were talking about my home, and I thought, oh, it it's not broken. Like Mm -hmm. it's even more fixed than it ever was before, you know? So I I hate that term, but what I was going to say was sometimes at least for me, and I know friends that I have that are single moms that are hesitant to walk through the doors of the church, that sometimes it's not what people say. It's what they haven't said. It's what the church hasn't said. It's that they don't see themselves in the church. They haven't heard about themselves through sermons or in ministries. And I know Bruce and Tony, we had talked about this off the air that there's this misconception in the scripture because we don't talk about it when scripture is talking about to take care of the widows, that that word is so much more. And what I always want to implore the church and our leaders is to acknowledge that there is a space for single moms and that you do care for them. And um, we have a friend, Angela, who created a single moms ministry because she did not see single moms at baby dedication. And she thought, surely there are single moms in this church. And there were, but they didn't feel like they deserved to stand on that stage. And even that, even maybe at baby dedication to say, hey, if you're a single mom, you can still be up here. You know, I just, I think sometimes it's what we don't say. And so what I want to say to our moms listening is that if your church isn't saying it, we will say it for you that you deserve to be there and that you think you're the only single mom in that room and you are not. Um, and so I don't that know, is, I'm ranting. So I obviously, that you hit a nerve with Absolutely. me, Pam. So it was that broken home <laughs> comment. But, yeah. I, you know, our moms feel that way and they think, you know, I just, I don't know if I can go. And everyone's looking at me because it's just me and my kid. And no one's, no. Mm-hmm. You know, let, and so. Let me speak to that a minute. Uh, 
as a pastor, guy, I pastor for 30 plus years. My dad was a pastor. Uh, I just want to say I'm sorry. I mean, that that is not okay. Uh, I don't know sure any pastor really wants that to be true, even though it is true. And I think there's a lot of ignorance that goes in, that's in, uh, in, in place here. And some people don't know what to say, so they don't say anything and they don't realize it's the worst thing to say. And saying nothing is sometimes worse than saying the wrong thing. And and in God's ideal, I get it. There's an ideal. He loves marriage. He hates divorce. I get all that. But he also loves people who have been wounded in these environments. And I'm not, not a broken family, but there, we have broken people walking into the church, whether a single mom or a single dad or, a, or an intact family. They're, they're broken people walking in, wounded, hurting people. And will we? do we want to live a life that there's no wounding or there's no failures? Yeah, but that's not the reality on this side of, of heaven. And so we need to honor people and the, to the degree that women aren't honored. And I, if I could just throw this in, I know, Tony, you've got a lot that you want to respond to this. Uh, the biblical term for widow is not an old lady whose husband died. It is a, any woman who doesn't have a covering. That's the Hebrew definition. That's the Hebrew definition. So there is a hierarchy God creates in marriage and in, 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 in the culture, in the church, and God honors women in a significant way, and he does that by bringing men around to help and help help lead and protect and supply for them. And we don't do that well in the church. We, we just don't. And so I'm sorry for that, for those who've been through it. Uh, and I'm not excusing it, but I am saying the blood covers it. So we want to help you learn how to recognize and acknowledge that it's not okay, but acknowledge that it has been paid for. Right. And I think it's important for us to cling to how God defines us Mm-hmm. And how God defines our and gives us our identity, and not use the church, and I mean this in a loose sort of way, um, the broken people in the church to be the ones that define, because God honors the widow. I mean that's a big deal. And again, the widow is not someone whose husband's died; it's someone who does not have a husband, who's not does not have that covering. So it sounds to me like there are a lot of uh, people in leadership that need to be educated a little bit about the importance of the widow and the single mom and that they need to come alongside and do what they can to build those single, to be there for that single mom and her children instead of looking at her as a, um, an addendum or just, you know, a a problem or a broken home or any of those things. Um, but until they do, we have to walk in forgiveness because that's where our freedom is. We have to choose to forgive those in the church specifically, the pastors, the leaders, um, the whoever it is that has wounded you, um, those need to be set at the cross because it was paid for. It was not okay, but Jesus paid for that wound because we forgive wounds, not people. He paid for that wound against you. So, and I've had to do that. So I under, I know that's what that's like, but that's where my freedom came. So we forgive the church, the people in the church, the situation is the wounds that have happened so that we can walk in freedom. And then after we've forgiven, not before, after, I would encourage you single women out there that have a specific situation that it would be done. It wouldn't be a bad idea to go to the leadership and say, hey, just want you to know from our perspective, maybe not trying to blame you, but maybe it might be a good idea to invite the single women who have had children who are, are you know, have a baby to be de- dedicated or um, whatever the situation is to understand that we need support here. We need, you know, encouragement. And this is what we're experiencing so that they're aware 
just to help them be aware. I do love that. Moms, uh, I want to say right now, if you have not listened to the podcast we did with Bruce and Tony on forgiveness, please do. It is powerful. It is life-changing. It is something that I believe God has led you to this podcast for that reason to go listen to that podcast. So please listen to that podcast. Um, I'm just at, going back to being hurt by the church. How do we forgive the church as a whole, just as a whole? Well, again, I think the protocols are similar. We, we outlined them in the, in the previous podcast, and you can get them on our website at forgivingfor.com, the guide. But uh, typically we're forgiving wounds, not people, remember? So the, the church at large wounds us. You have to forgive the wounds. And uh, But if you can think of a specific person or a specific group of people, it's important to do that so you can attach the wound with the person. If you can do that, if you're not, if it's just general, then just say, I forgive the church for dishonoring Widows for failing James one, which says pure religion is before God is to uh, uh, take care of widows and orphans and keep yourself unspotted from the world. And we've lost our focus. I forgive them for losing their focus. And uh, so it's basically, I forgive them for the way they wounded me. List the wounds and forgive them. Uh, it's it's the protocols are not. Uh, you don't have a you know protocol for forgiving. You know this person over here or this group over the, the protocols are the protocols and they apply in every wound that we have, whether it's by a group or by an individual. And sometimes when we're angry at the church, <laughs> we're not really angry at the church. We're angry at God. We're using the church as our excuse or that's our, that's the, that's, we can see them, but it's really God that is, we're just, ticked at him (laughs) or just like you know god if you would have done this or that this wouldn't be happening or if you would have prevented this from happening then you know i wouldn't be where i'm at today and so we get angry at god and although god doesn't ever do anything wrong he does wound us sometimes because he prevents what he or he permits what he could have prevented. Or he, he permits what he could prevent to bring to bring about his greater glory and our greater good. And he prevents what he could permit for the same reason. Yeah. And he knows more than we do about what, what happens. And the other side is that he doesn't initiate sin. He grieves when our when our when people sin against us. He doesn't validate and say that sin is okay. But he's sovereign enough to use that for his glory and your good. And I want you to remember something. Jesus forgave Judas. Judas had a ministry of betrayal to Jesus, and he betrayed him in order to bring him to the cross so the rest of us could get redeemed. And he knew he was going to do it the day he put him on the team. So we have to learn to recognize that though I may be wounded, I mean, what did Job said? Though he slay me, that's kind of painful. I will trust in him. So even though, if it's true, if God reveals, hey, it's not the church you're upset with, you're upset with me, then that's, we suggest that you for, let God off the hook. Some people have a hard time saying forgive God, and I understand that when it comes down to it, but we don't transfer his debt to the cross because there's no, there's no sin there. But we, Lord, I choose to forgive you for allowing this and not preventing that and going through the list of ways you believe God wounded you. And then as you bless him, Lord, I choose to trust you, even though I don't understand. And I give you my life. And this is, I recognize that it's not my life. I live, it's yours. And so here I am. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how we deal with God. That's, that's sometimes we have found that people angry at the church are really angry at God. 
I understand that, and that is so good. It brought to mind um, about you, you, you were carrying it around with you. I remember one time I, I was doing a video, a teaching video, and I actually tied a dummy on my waist, and they were videoing it, and I walked in the grocery store carrying the dummy around with me, checking out, getting, you know, things off the shelf. Of course, people were looking at me when it was going on, and I went around my business, checked out, walked out to my car with that dummy attached to me. Moms, if you're carrying around any kind of bitterness towards the church, you're carrying a load. You're carrying an unseen attached dummy with you, and it it will weigh you down. It will not allow you to experience the freedom that God has for you. And, you know, I just couldn't help but think of that image of me walking around the grocery store carrying that that dummy with me because I did for a while, and, and I wasn't angry at the church, but I had reason different times to be angry at people in the church and the way they looked at me. And so we do understand that so well. We do understand that so well. I want to see this video, Pam. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And and I think sometimes, too, we bring expectations in. I think Tony's going to share about that in a little bit. But but oftentimes we maybe think we're blaming the church, but it may be our dad who didn't take care of us. So another authority figure in the past that we're holding uh, the church accountable to. So you want to ask God, is it the church or is it, if it's God or is it someone besides that, that I'm just making, I'm just applying it to, the, I'm transferring it to the church. That's excellent. The reality for me is when I look back at my relationship with the church and with God is... I, I don't know why I paused to say this, but I have been hurt by both, but I've also been disappointed by both. And that equally for me knocked the breath out of my faith journey and my personal well-being. And so I wanted to ask you both, how are we to handle unmet expectations? It might not be this blatant pain or hurt or something that they the church did to me or God's done to me, but what if just... And I, I know for me, I have high expectations of God and the people of God, and I think I have the right to have those. So how do we handle unmet expectations? Well, yeah, having expectations is something I've dealt with for a long time. It's been something I'm writing about right now, actually. And um, what I've discovered is this. If you can imagine a stair step going five stairs down, and this is negative, it's not good, and the first step is your is just recognizing your emotional needs. So let's just and that's good. We all have emotional needs. What I mean by that is we all need to be accepted. We need love. We need significance, honor those those sort of things. And that's what God gave us. But the problem comes in when we go down a step and we go into what I call our agenda, my agenda, and that's like how the how how do I how am I going to get my needs met? And we, this is subconscious, by the way. So we've got the emotional needs, which is the what. Then we have the agenda, which is the how. And that leads us down to the next step, which is an expectation, which is the who. So I'm looking for somebody, the who, somebody in my small group at church or somebody, you know, the pastor or whoever, that I'm expecting them to meet my agenda for how I want to get my acceptance need met. It goes real quick. And what happens and what it's interesting, I have found, I believe that God comes against that because we are trying, we are putting man in a place man can never meet our expectations. And he comes against that because we are putting that person or that group of people in the place of God on the throne. 
And so that leads us to step number four, which is that what you just mentioned, um, Mel, which is disappointment. And that's a really heavy duty emotion that hurts hard. And the, the disappointment, if it's, if we stay there long enough, that will lead us into the fifth step, which is anger or depression or just a combination of both back and forth, um, all the way down to suicide. So if we're angry, if we're really struggling with anger, we can, or even depression, we can ask ourselves, all right, who disappointed me? That takes us back up the step to, oh, who did I put my hope in, my expectation in so that I would be okay, meet my agenda to make me okay. And God comes against that. And so I have found that once I, when I'm in that place, the first thing I need to do is forgive that person because they wounded me. And even though I had an expectation that wasn't met and I should have had, maybe shouldn't have had the expectation to begin with, I did and I was wounded. So I forgive first. Then the second thing I do is I repent. I change my mind and recognize, you know, I cannot put my hope in anyone other than God mm. to meet my needs. He's the one that said he would meet them. So I start back up the stairs with this. I recognize my need. That's number one. I have this problem. I feel not loved today, whatever it is. And then I, I yield to God's agenda. He has an agenda of how he's going to meet that need. So I tell him, Lord, I've, I don't feel loved today. How are you going to meet that agenda? And then I expect God. Now, this is a big one. We don't expect God in a way that we have the whole thing listed out. Like, God, if you love me, you will do X, Y, and Z. But we expect God to come through, but we just don't know how. We have our hands are open. Lord, I don't know how you're going to meet this need today, but I know that you promised to meet my needs, so I'm going to look for that. We really, we literally wait and watch to see God meet our needs, our expectations that we have, our, our I'm sorry, our the needs that we have. So we expect God. And then that just leads us into satisfaction instead of disappointment. We're just, and then just this amazing joy that, wow, the God of the universe saw my need and he met it. When we're li- we we literally look for it, and I have got so many stories about how that works out. But the moment I put my expectation in a person to meet my need, even my husband, my children, anybody I know, I will be disappointed because they will not be able to. They're not God. God, as you said earlier, God comes against it. And I think if we put our expectation in the church to meet all these needs, which their design, their it's the design of God that they do that. But if we put our hope in them, then I think God comes against it until we get our eyes on him. And then when we get our eyes on him, then he will rally people around us to take care of us. And if we keep focusing on what someone isn't doing, we oftentimes will see what God is trying to do. And we won't we won't honor what he's he's doing ourselves. So the focus has to be on God. Yeah. You know what? I'm sitting here thinking you're talking about expectations. You know, uh, moms, you want hope to come alive in your heart. You just want hope. Just, just, I just need hope, hope to come alive in my heart. So how do we keep this hope alive in our troubles? Well, we can expect. We can expect. But I was thinking about you talking about coming up the stairs. Here's what we can expect. We can expect God to transform us into the image of his son. We can expect God to work our singleness for good. As you're walking up the stairs, you can expect God to father your children. You you can expect God to abide with you. You can expect God to lead the way. And you can expect God to take care of the details. So we never stop expecting God's goodness to prevail. 
I mean, why? Because we are alive to his purposes and alive to his plan, alive to his testimony. So this is the mindset to have as you walk up the stairs. You can expect, but just expect in the positive way. So, you know what, I, um, is, was there something else, Mel, that we wanted to say about that? I was that I'm speechless. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think another word for that might resonate with people too is expect to kind of differentiate what we're doing toward God toward someone else. Uh, uh, Pam, as you were saying, uh, trust God. You just trust God with it, and you trust God's methods and His ways that are different than our methods and our ways. So we trust you to meet my need in the way it is. But, Amen. Well, what our favorite, our two word, the two word answer we give to everything that happens is well, amen, which means God, you have this, you're sovereign, you, you've got control. It's not so be it. It's like we trust you, God, you're big enough, you got this. We're out of the way. We're waiting and watching for what you're going to do. But it's really that. a fun thing. It's like exciting to do this where in Psalm 5 3 is where I get this, where it says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. So in the morning, Lord, I'm not, I feel like I'm lacking in this area. I don't know how you're going to fill me, but I'm waiting expectantly to see how. And then we watch and we wait. And when, and, and the stories, we, so many neat stories of how God will mm-hmm. come through and fill that need you have when you're looking for him to do it. And there's no better thrill than that. Yes. You know, we have talked about blessing um, people that have hurt us. Um, what does it mean to bless the church when they have hurt you? Well, I have some people come to me and they're really mad at the church and they get upset about the church. They keep talking about the church. And I will say, uh, you got, you might want to pause on that because I know that if you come after me and you start criticizing Tony, I'm not going to be happy with you. You and I are going to have a fight. It's what's going to happen. And the church is his bride. So we never want to we never want to diminish God's Christ's bride. So we have to keep that in mind as we do it. And I think the way you bless the church is, A, you ask God to, to, to work in their hearts. You ask God to make them a, a, a more accurate reflection of the uh, of the gospel to the world around them. But I think specifically and tangibly, you say, God, what can I do? to give and minister to those who have a greater need than I have. Because you can always find somebody. If you're a single mom, you can still find another single mom who's probably got a more dire circumstance than you do. Or you can find an orphan kid who might need something. You can find someone who's struggling. God, who can I pour my life into? I found in my darkest moments of when I'm really struggling the most is when I decide to serve someone else, even when I feel like I don't have anything to give, is I find a way, okay, who, Jesus, who can you serve through me? Now, I want to be clear on that. I'm not saying I'm taking my effort and my resources and I'm giving to someone else. No, I'm taking the resources of God he pours in me, and I'm asking him to use me in a tangible way to help the church be more reflective of the, of, of the gospel and of Christ to the world around him. What, what am I doing as the church? Because the church isn't them, it's, it's us. It's not a, a single moms and then here's the church. No, single moms are part of the church. So what does it look like for me as an itinerant leader to be a part of the church I'm a part of, even though I'm not doing the role I would historically have been doing? What does it look like for me to be used by you to make the church a better reflection of you to the world? And it could just be an encouraging word mm-hmm. yeah. to the person sitting next to you. 
it and does. that you, you don't know what that does to them, how it changes everything. That was one of one of the issues yeah. I had. I was struggling with something one day, and it was just somebody that I did not know. I met a stranger, said an encouraging word to me. I will never forget it. And God said, I just met your need through her. And mm-hmm. so it can just be a encouraging word. Yes, yeah. it's definitely. Yeah, and take the people that you're that, that you're upset with, maybe, and write them an encouraging note. Find something good. God, God, what is it in them that you want me to affirm? Mm-hmm. And and go to affirm them. I think that's that's good. That's some of it. That is wonderful. I, that's such a good word. He who refreshes others refreshes himself. Indeed. You guys, um, is there anything else you would like to say to our single moms today? I would say God loves you. Mm-hmm. He has not forgotten you. Uh, he is dear to the uh, uh, to the widows and uh, and the brokenhearted uh, and and those who are downcast. Uh, in fact, he came to that's that's in, in Luke four. That's you're one of the groups he came from primarily to lift up. And so, just trust in his care, but also don't put your hope in anyone but him. And he's got you. He's your husband. He is. And uh, and go find, ask him, just search with him. God, where are those root wounds in me that are keeping me in torment? And uh, and Lord, show me what they are and, 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 and show me how to forgive. That's why we've created the guide, which is you can go to forgivingforward.com and get the guide. Those are the protocols. We have other material on our, our, our uh, uh, website that we can help you with. But if you just want to, if we can help you in any way, call our office. Uh, Information is on the website, and we would be glad to help you. And if we can't, we'll connect you with someone we've trained who can. Thank you. I, I know that that was just a huge blessing to our single moms. Bruce and Tony, I want to tell you a story as we close. A couple of months ago, we had a single mom reach out to us, um, and she asked to have a coffee with me, and I had no idea who she was or what she was going through. And at this coffee, she shared with me that her and her children had been living in a hotel because they had been evicted, and she had finally found a house that she could afford to move into. And I said, that's so incredible. And she said, kind of. And I said, kind of. And she said, well, I'm overwhelmed because we have to get out of the hotel today and I have to get a U-Haul and I have to get everything out of storage and we have to move into this house and I have to get the utilities on. And as she was saying all of the I have tos, I felt overwhelmed. And I don't know why, but just out of my mouth, I said, well, who are you going to call? And her eyes just filled up with tears. And she said, well, that's why I called Arise because I don't know. And I sent two text messages that moment. I text my small group and I text a really close group of friends that that I've done life with that I just so happened to meet in the church. And I said, can you guys meet me at this address between four and nine tonight to help a single mom move her and her children into this house. And I'm kind of feeling some emotions. There were 12 people that showed up and six of them took off work early. And we, in the heat of Oklahoma, moved her into this home and all of these incredible things happened. And at the end, we were dripping with sweat and we stood in her living room and she looked at me and she said, how did you do this? And I said, oh, this is the church. And I remember having this conversation with her of that I want you to be able to send two text messages and people show up. 
but you're not going to find those people outside of a community that lives for others. And so I want to say to our single moms that you deserve this. And that's why this podcast is so important because you're going to have moments where you need to show up for people or they need to show up for you. And the church is the best place to find those people. Oh, and you deserve so it. And your kids deserve it, don't they? And, you know, her kids experienced this that day. They were like, who are you? And I was like, who are you? <laughs> you know, as I'm in their bedroom. And I just, I wanted to tell that story because I will never forget that moment. And I walked out in the yard with all of my friends just weeping and they were too. And they're like, what just happened? And we talked about how the, that's what the verse, my kingdom come is talking about, you know, at on, on earth. earth as it is in heaven, that that was it. Mm-hmm. And that this woman who didn't have a community literally saw the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God moved her into her new home. So I want to say to our single moms, you deserve a church. And if one hurt you, go find another one and don't give up and be brave enough. And your kids deserve it because it's worth it. And, so, and let me just, let me just kind of say this because that is the church. And sometimes when we look at the address that the church meets on Sunday and consider that the church, and we're looking for all the leadership there, but the church is designed for each individual part. And that was the That's church the operating. That's the body. So we individually have to become functional in that kind of a deal where we respond, not waiting for a organization to do it, but make the organism happen. And then we have to be so connected with an organization or organism rather like you were that you could send out two texts and people would come for it because they know you and you're in relationship. So it, it's a both end. We have to get, we have to be, yeah, we need to receive but we have to engage and we have to be a part of it. So just pour yourself into Jesus. And if you pour yourself into Jesus, you're going to find yourself around people that are that are pouring into Jesus. And that's how we grow. Amen. Well, single mom, if you've been hurt by the church Absolutely. and you're looking for a church and you can't seem to do that on your own, please reach out to us at arisesinglemoms.com and we will help you find a church because you and your children deserve that.